You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 303 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. What's happening in Gina world? I just gave a pottery lesson. How? It's a pretty, uh, well, no, a proper one. Uh, I've, I've uh, handed down my pottery wheel to my son. Oh. I d- did the whole, let's, um, you know... Turn down your expectations. I said, this is really hard to do. It's going to take you ages to learn. Here's a technique. Don't be discouraged. It's okay to suck at something before you get good. This took me ages to learn. I did that whole speech, right? Yes. I go home. (laughs) Then he texts me these photos with these uh, four bowls that he's made. They're perfect. Oh, my God. So I'm proud. I'm also annoyed at the same time. It's yeah. just like, oh, my God. So obviously my teaching, Val, I'll have to take credit. I taught him so well. Yeah. He did a great job. Well. <laughs> mm. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Go. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing? Um, what have I been doing? Well, Hamilton was recently released on Disney, uh, the channel, and so I subscribed specifically so I could watch it. We're not sponsored by Disney because you've gone on about this. It sounds like we are. We're not not actually sponsored by it. These are all our own. This is what Mm. this is stuff we think about (laughs) on our own without being paid to. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So we will get on to this week's topic, we promise, which is Photography Gear Guide for Beginners, Enthusiasts and Pros, which is going to be very, very useful to our listeners. But, yes, that's right. I watched Hamilton. I think it's a work of genius. Hamilton, the the film of the Broadway musical by Lin-Manuel Miranda. And I loved it when I saw it in New York and I'm so glad to have been able to relive it. I know that's got nothing to do with photography, but, you know. It's nice to be passionate about stuff and it's nice to find things that make you happy and finding you joy, particularly at this time in the world. It's great. So you enjoy it, Val. I don't see the point, but it's like I'm very happy for you. (laughs) It's exciting. No, I'm excited for you. That's it. Like I go to Bon Jovi with you, I'm excited for you, (laughs) you know. That's what being a friend is all about. You support your friends. In their, the things that they love. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, what are you in love with currently? What am I in love with? Oh, what have I been watching that is mm. unreal? I've now I've got a blank because you're asking me. But there were a couple of shows, and I've been recommended. Like Made in Italy was the best thing I've ever seen about oh, the yes, Italian fashion industry and photography. Mm. Um, 
I uh, actually uh, have been listening to the audio version of um, Tim Ferriss's book, Tools of Titans. Oh, really? I, I just gave that book away. I highly recommend it. Uh, it. It is really inspiring because... Really? He... I don't, which is why I gave the book away. Wow, Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> Literally yesterday. The, the, so there are people that you will hear the interviews with. So basically he's found all these people that are at the top of their game and he asks them a whole series of questions. And there are ones that you go, eh, I'm not interested in what you have to say. But then there are others that they just resonate and you just pick up these little tips and I find it very inspiring. I love the quotes. Of, there's quotes in there that I've never heard before. Uh, and then there's uh, techniques for every, from everything from how they exercise to how they, they do their work their day to how they deal with saying no to requests. I found it inspiring. Okay. So that's an endorsement specifically from Gina. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Shall we move on? Yeah, we should, Val. <laughs> You've also been busy with the gold community? Yes, I just uploaded a video on, uh, did a, a, a classic car shoot, which is obviously one of my favorite props to use when I'm shooting. But this is mm. like, so what you see in the tutorial is it's all the behind the scenes, filmed by you, Val, this one. Um, mm. And like you hear me directing and posing so everything that I'm saying out loud but I've, what I've also um, started doing with my videos is recording my thoughts <laughs> which you can't hear which could be dangerous really Scary. but but so you'll see something happen and then you'll hear me saying so I want you to sit like this and sit like this and then my thoughts are the reason I've asked him to do this is because of this, this, mm. this, and this, mm. and then and it, so it gives you like everything, the, the entire behind the scenes. Because often you'll get, yeah, you put the light there and you stand the model there, and that's what you get. But this is like detailed from start to finish, uh, and it's more than just like something at, like a paint by numbers approach to to tutorials. It's everything you'll need so that you get that authentic look. So we got that. Uh, I'm working on uh, some tutorials on using working with gels. I've also been working with the members of the of the goal community on quoting for different jobs mm. and why you quote like the different um, templates that you can use for quote. There is a real art to quoting because mm. like I got it mm. wrong for so many years where you just do and I'm 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 sure you had made these mistakes early on as well, Val, mm. where you just mm. assume that everyone knows. What you're talking about when you yeah. quote, but there is a real art to quoting and a real art to how you speak to the client before you quote and managing expectations and and all of that. So we talk a lot about that, saving them thousands, hundreds, and uh, or thousands on uh, gear purchases as well, which is what this uh, episode is all about too today. So helping you with your gear purchases. So that's what I've been busy doing with the gold community, Val. I love the gold community. There's so many awesome people in there and um, taking their photography to the next level. And if you want to find out a little bit more about it, have a listen to this. This podcast is brought to you by the gold community. I love helping the members of the gold community. They're amazing photographers and I love seeing them take their photography to the next level. Here's what Nasa Walla had to say. 
So my photography has gone from me doing things as favors to now going out of that comfort zone. You know, I have my own kind of day job, but what this has allowed me to do is really just start building something professionally. Over the last few months since I've joined, I've had people reach out to me, have me come do shoots for them. So it's really been incredible, just giving me that confidence, knowing that I have those kind of resources to go back to. And then knowing once I've finished with the shoot, being able to then even get more information back from the community on how I could improve next time. I just feel like really the most valuable thing is having access just to all the resources and tutorials online. But more than that, it's having that more live and interactive touch points yourself with the gold community and really get instant feedback. I mean, I, I love that about the community. People are always willing to just share their experiences. It has really just ignited my passion for photography. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, so on to this week's topic, Photography Gear Guide for Beginners, Enthusiasts and Pros. Where do we start on this, Gina? All right, so this is, I think, a question I get asked a lot. What is the best camera that takes the best images, right? Mm. How can I improve my photography? What gear do I need? Mm. And I have to start, and this is all about I will save you um, hundreds if not thousands on your next gear purchase with this advice. And what I want to do is arm you with all the information you need to then go and do the research on the cameras and gears. I'm not going to give you specific brands here to buy. I'm not going to say this brand of camera is better than this brand by this brand. We're not sponsored by any camera company, so I can give you my honest opinion on everything. I will, if you ask me, tell you the gear that I use, but I'm not saying that you need to use this sort of gear. So I want want you to be able to, um, at the end of this episode, be able to confidently research gear Uh, and walk into a camera store and know exactly what it is that you need to look for because the best camera is the one that you're going to pick up every day and use and it's not Mm. the camera that's taking the photos you're taking the photos this is merely a tool and basically at this level in this time in our lives anything you can you you really can't go wrong but you can easily easily fall into the con um of most uh the camera companies that are going to tell you that you need this particular model or you need to upgrade to this particular model because it's got a new bell and whistle but it's not the case so um i'm going to give you all the information you need and whatever gear uh, level you are whether you're a beginner you're an enthusiast or a pro uh to make uh, the right choice and hopefully save quite a bit of money and not not buy too much uh, gear. So shall we, um, and also when to buy brand versus when to, because there's a lot of of knockoffs on the market now and when to invest in a knockoff uh, instead. So um, I have to start with a quote, Val. Okay. 
So the quote is, a bad workman always blames their tools. So always get really Mm. uh, nervous when you see uh, photographers posting and the the image they lead, their post is all about how sharp it is or the (laughs) lack of noise. And if that's the lead and then that's what you're going to talk about in your image, then pretty much you're probably creating um, boring images and you're not actually focusing on the craft because it's not about... I can point out hundreds of images that I've loved that aren't even sharp. They're not. Okay. And if you mm-hmm. look back at the images that we uh, all grew up on and, and the, the masters of photography, due to the nature of the cameras that they were using, their images aren't even sharp. You know, Most of my catalogue from film days is semi-soft because it, um, just of the tools that we had. So, you know... We, we get bogged down and this is the, the whole internet world where all people want to talk about is megapixels and colour and mm. histograms and all of that stuff, but it's not. It's about the art. So mm. um, if you are the kind of person that um, all you want to do is um, – because let's face it, today there's these new idiot-proof technology with smartphones, right? So anyone yes. who's got the IQ of cardboard <laughs> can take a decent photo today. And it's decent. And when I mean decent, it's sharp, it's correctly exposed, and all your Facebook friends are going to love it, right? So <laughs> if all you want in life is to impress your friends on Facebook, then you don't need a camera. Just get a smartphone. You'll be fine mm. if that's what you want to do. So just invest in a good phone and uh, you'll be right and you can use uh, like Instagram filters and that's what you, all you need. And if you're someone who just wants to be a famous photographer, then save yourself uh, a lot of money and just stick to the smartphone as well and make a sex tape because you'll be famous <laughs> a lot faster that way. Seriously, than wasting your time. If, if that's all you want out of photography, then again, don't bother investing in the gear. All right. But if you love photography, if you love the art of photography, if you love photography as a hobby or you're doing it as a career and it's about the actual art, that, that, that's, what, that that's what makes you happy and you love creating beautiful images, let's talk now. Let's talk about gear because everyone else who uh, doesn't really care has now left the conversation, I would say, <laughs> <laughs> which was the whole idea. All right. So, you know, um, there is a big question. So basically I, I treat the buying of camera gear and I give the same advice as when I, um, to someone who is buying a car, their first car. So if you're mm-hmm. a beginner and you're trying to decide what kind of camera do I get, do I need to get an entry-level camera or a pro camera, I'm going to tell you that the entry-level cameras that are around between um, – and let, let's just talk in US dollars. I think it makes it easier universally, right, Val, for, for, the, for this yeah, uh, subject. Sure. I think okay. it's, it's easier than trying everyone. to convert. But just to say, mm-hmm. so you, you, you're looking at between, say, 500 and $1,000 on an entry-level camera. But the entry-level cameras that they're making today are probably mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the megapixels and the bells and whistles that you get and the autofocus system 
uh, as good, if not better than, say, the first digital camera that I dropped $20,000 on back, you know, mm. tw- 20 years ago, right? So yeah. they're, they're great cameras, um, as are the smartphones. So before you invest in photography gear, you've got to think about what is it that you're going to be using it for, where you're going to be using it and how long and how often you're going to be using it because that's going to determine what kind of camera. So if you're the kind of person that's only taking their camera out, say, once every couple of weeks, right, and mm-hmm. you, you might just take it out for an hour, take a shot and then put it back in its box and in the case and wrap it in plastic like, you know, to, just to protect it and look after it, then you're probably going to be okay with a an entry-level camera. If, on the other hand, you're the kind of person that wants to, you know, track across a desert or is, uh, you know, you're doing the running of the bulls or the, you know, you want to do the next Ironman challenge and you, you, your camera is going to be taking a beating and it's going to be out in the snow or out in extreme heat, then you might want to think about getting a mid or a pro level camera. If you have happened to, you've started off your photography business, it's going really well and you're doing, say, 20 or 30 weddings a year, you're also shooting a ton of events um, and you're giving that camera a thrashing, you also want to look at pro-level gear. And I'll tell you why, because um, the major difference between, say, an entry-level or a mid-size camera is the build quality and the weather sealing. So basically what's inside, it's kind of that they use the same components, but what you're paying for in a pro level camera is the, the build quality. It's a bit better. So it's like when you look, when we use the car analogy, Val, if you, yeah. you buy the basic um, bottom of the line model and you compare it to the top of the line model, both get, will get you from A to B in sort of... Um, in similar times, right, when you're in traffic. Mm. But, you know, the the top of the line model is going to get you there in a bit more comfort. So there's a few more bells and whistles. So you might have the leather seats. Uh, it, it might not leak when it rains. You know, the the wipers are just a little bit better. The car heats up a little bit nicer. The air con's slightly nicer. So that's like the mm. same with an entry-level car, an entry-level camera as to like a pro-level camera. The other thing is there's just like the the components that they use are slightly better so you'll get a little bit um the autofocus might be a little bit faster the weather ceiling's better the viewfinder size might be bigger and the thing the i think the biggest difference between entry level and pro is your ability to access the menu faster so on a pro camera basically because you can't be shooting, say, you know, you're a documentary or a news photographer and you're, you're on the scene and there's something happening right in front of you and you need to change your aperture or you want to change your ISO or change a setting really quickly. You can do it, your, your um, thumb and finger, you can move around and it, you do it easily and quickly, right? You, need, you don't even need to look at the back of the screen. You can just do it. But with a, an entry-level camera, basically you've got to go into the menu five deep in the menu, have 15 tabs open and search for these things just to change a basic setting. So that's the difference. But if you're just starting out and you've got time and you're learning, 
that's fine because you've got the time to do these things. So it's okay to have an entry-level camera to do these things. So they're the biggest difference. So And also you've got slightly better um, you know, performance like low-light performance and things like that in a, uh, a pro-level camera. And the, one of the biggest differences that I noticed even between uh, a medium-like level camera and a pro-pro camera is the speed at which you can shoot and the speed that it'll write to the card. Okay, so if mm-hmm. I'm shooting on a, a like a sort of mid-level camera, uh, at some point, if I'm shooting really fast, I have to stop the shoot while the camera catches up if I'm using the mid-level compared to the pro that I can just keep shooting and shooting and shooting and it'll record really quickly. So if you're just starting out, your entry level, perfectly fine. You're going to get beautiful images if you're paying attention and doing your drills and studying your photography and understanding that. But I'm talking about like actually working with these cameras. Not a lot of difference unless you're knocking it around and going into extreme weather conditions. All right, does that make sense? Yes, makes sense. All right. <clears throat> the next big question is, should I go mirrorless or DSLR? Yeah. And I'm going to go mm. back to the um, the whole driving analogy. And it comes down to the difference between mirrorless and DSLR is really how much do you love the photography experience? Now, I, I Valerie, I love driving. I drive okay. a manual car because I love the feeling of driving. I like to change the gears. I want to be in charge. I want to tell the car when to go into second or third gear, not the car decide for me with an automatic car. And I kind of, and I like, like I drive like a big old truck of a car and it's not a smooth ride. You feel like you're driving in that car, right? Because Mm -hmm. I like that sensation and I feel the same way when I'm, um, and that's why I like to drive my Vespa around as well because I like to feel close to the road I like the sensation of driving I feel the same way about the cameras why do you giggle about that what's so funny about liking to drive why is that I can't funny say it out loud. <laughs> sorry I'm not gonna say it out loud oh my god one day we'll do a patreon episode um that you can actually hear the conversation that Valerie and I have before we start oh my god anyway um the same um, sensation in for me with photography is I like the feeling of a DSLR camera. I like the manual um, dials. I like to I like hearing the shutter. You know, I like mm. I like all of that because it's it's part of um, the whole experience for me. And because I've been doing it for so long, it's like, it's not the same experience when I'm using a mirrorless camera. Now, Mm -hmm. there's no doubt that mirrorless is the future of photography. Um, Mm -hmm. but it does for me using a mirrorless, the silent shutter, the, the lack of dials and all the, the, the manual feel of the camera and even the weight and the size, takes away a little bit of the joy for me. Now, now this is a personal thing, and this is why I'm saying that when you're deciding on what type of camera you get, whether you get mirrorless or DSLR, whether you get entry level or whether you get top of the range, it has to come down to the camera, like with a car, that feels best 
for you? What do you enjoy driving the best? Because that's the one that you're going to use every day and ultimately that's going to be the best one for you. So, yes. you know, I like the shutter. I like the, the sound of, you know, hearing everything. And, and, and it's like... These days with um, mirrorless, like the, and the technology has gotten so good that they have like face detect and eye detect where it'll focus for you. And that kind of, to me, takes the joy out of photography as well. And it, like it reminds me of this time when I took my kids fishing, right? I wanted them to have the experience of fishing. Instead, instead of taking them fishing to an open lake, mm-hmm. I went to one of those trout farms. <laughs> Okay. And I'd never been before. And they're really sad because basically there's all these concrete pools. Yes, I've seen, yes. That are full of trout and you go on the side, you put your line in and like mm. a second lady, you've got a trout. Like, like, yes. Great kids, you caught a fish. Now, yes. you know, now we'll cook it. And uh, it, and I felt so bad and it's <laughs> like it, it took away the joy of, you know, the whole idea of fishing is you go and stand in a river for hours and hours and hours and it's zen and it's beautiful. You catch a fish, you don't catch a fish. It's all about the experience. So that for me is kind of how I felt shooting mirrorless. And it's not to say it's not great because it is great. And I do love, you know, being able to preview what your image looks like through the viewfinder with the electronic um, finder. And you can actually see what it looks like when you stop down but I can also imagine that in my mind's eye. So that's taking that experience away as well. So again, it all comes down to personal choice, but uh, it is a good idea to go in to a brick and mortar store and try out a mirrorless, try out a DSLR. If you don't want to be lugging um, heavy gear around, then go for the mirrorless because it's smaller, it's compact, it's nice and light. If it feels good in your hands and you'd like it, it feels intuitive to use, the menu system is easy, then, then go with the one that works for you. The other thing that you want to be mindful of when you're buying a camera is that you want to make sure that there is someone in your country um, that and, and in your district, like local to you, that, that can service the camera. And that's so important because there's nothing worse than buying some obscure model that only for them to have no one that will service the camera and they can't get spare parts. And, you've, you know, if something goes wrong, you've lost your money. And the other thing that you want to consider is that you can easily buy accessories so that the lighting companies that are supplying lighting will supply your particular camera model with the accessories you need to use the lighting. And that's important. So if you go for the obscure, slightly cheaper uh, quirkier camera body, you may have trouble getting accessories for lighting and things like that. Does that make sense, Val? Yeah, makes sense. So you want to pick a, 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 a brand that's easy to use and that you get the warranty, you've got the repair uh, shot and there's plenty of spares, but it is a matter of don't just take my word for it and don't just get the camera that's recommended by all these different people because I've had that experience, you know, with, with many cameras and it's not until I've picked them up that I've gone, ew, I actually hate how this feels. You know, it doesn't work for me. So that's important. So treat it like you're buying your first car. Take one for out for a, um, a drive. Uh, mm. For what it's worth, um, 
I think a, couple, a good entry-level um, camera for if you're just starting out, you've never done any photography, is I like the little Fuji mirrorless X100F. It's got all the little dials and whistles. That's what I use. But I'll, I'll warn you, it's a it was a real pain for me to learn the menu system. I had to unlearn everything I knew about photography and relearn this system, but I stuck with it and I actually uh, enjoy using it. So, but there are a lot of other mirrorless cameras that uh, people swear by that, so I'm not gonna just recommend that particular one. Give them a go and uh, you know, I like, I've used Canon for the last 20 years, so I like those, Tiger agrees. Um, and uh, so they work as well. Now, next, Val. Yeah. Lens choice. So. Say that um, again. Lens choice. Okay. Lenses. Yeah. So when you buy a camera, you, you can come, you can, if you're lucky, sometimes they bundle them up and if they're buying, oh, and so hang on, before before that, with with your camera, I also highly recommend, and I've done this all my life, is I've never bought new cameras um, at the start. I always buy secondhand um, when I was starting out. And the reason I do this is meant that I could buy a pro camera for an mm-hmm. entry-level price and you get so much more bang for your buck. And I've recommended right. you do this, Val. Um, and so you, you, for the price of an entry-level camera, I managed to get you a pretty really good, good like camera. pro yeah pro level full frame camera yep. and any problems with it Val so far no, you've had it for fantastic. how many years you've had it for yeah, about five years really now and good. it's still going strong so mm. that I I highly recommend that you consider that I mean there are some people that just love the new camera smell and they want them and so and they're not and they're a bit iffy about buying used but I, I think it's a I think it's a way to go and there's always um, plenty and plenty of stuff available on mm. online that you can buy, and we've d- dedicated a whole show to buying um, used cameras. So you can check that out if you want to um, find out more about that. I don't know what what number episode it is, but I'm sure we can find it and put it in. It's the It's like show buying notes. a car, isn't it? Like it's yeah. if you like the new car smell, you'll spend all this money. But the best advice that, because um, I used to work with the editor of Car Magazine, right, and um, he said the best advice he could give me was just know that the second you drive out of the showroom, it's it loses ten thousand dollars. So you know, just get one that's uh, been used once or been a day old or something. Instantly, and I, I look. I think with cars, I think once in your life, it's nice to have that experience of driving that new car off the lot. Yeah, that, but you know, you yours, can buy in the little once... in the little plastic <laughs> container. It's actually called new, new car, car smell. smell. <laughs> <laughs> and the I've other had thing, it. You can, it smells like a new car. The other thing, and the, and the advice that I've given to both my millennials when they were buying cars is that, that and they both, of course, were looking at sports cars to buy. And I'm like, don't buy a sports car and a new car for your first car. That's silly because it's going to get wrecked. It'll mm. the first time it gets a scratch on it, you're going to be crying yourself to sleep. The best car to learn on is a used car because you're not going to be afraid to knock it around or, or get dented or you know be a bit rougher with it. But if you it's a brand new shiny car. You're always going to be afraid to take it out on the road or, or get that little dent. So yeah. another another good um, plus for buying used over buying new. So 
when it comes to uh, lens choice, you you can be lucky and a lot of um, camera manufacturers they'll bundle together like the entry-level camera and you'll get a kit lens that comes with it um, and people often um, you know hang it on the kit lens and say that they're not fantastic but the kit lenses today are pretty good and it's it's not that the kit lenses are, are not very good the problem is that you've got someone who doesn't have a great deal of skill with photography and so they're buying entry-level cameras and it's while they're learning their photography might not be great but there's nothing actually wrong if you know how to use the camera and you know how to use the lens within its limitations you can still take fantastic photos using this this gear so um most um 35 DSLRs are come with a like an 18 to 35 as a, a stock standard um, kit lens or you can get slightly something slightly longer and again it depends on what it is that you want to do with these lenses now the pros of like a kit lens is it's like you've got the zoom so you've got um, like three or four different lenses all these different focal lens in one in one go so you don't have to change lenses so that's really good so i would recommend that if you're starting out it comes with the kit lens then definitely get the get get it together because it's you usually save a lot of money um the downside of the kit lens is often it's uh the um they're, they're not wide enough or they're not long enough Val, so um, which is always a problem, isn't it? If it's not wide or long enough, so <laughs> you you want to be thinking about that. And um, but when you're starting out, what you don't really know, a lot of people don't know, is what their niche is going to be. Like you might start out thinking that you're only going to be doing street photography, or you want to be a fashion photographer, or you only want to shoot food. But it's not until you've tried every kind of genre of photography that you realise, oh my god, I want to photograph the night sky this is my thing and mm. the lens you have doesn't work that's when you're going to add to your kit you don't need to know this at the start so I, I would recommend that you get um, something like the entry level if that's what you're going for with a um, something like the 18 to, to 35s like the standard kit lens and and go with that and test it out and when it gets to the point where it's no longer doing what you want it to do, then you can upgrade. Not 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 before. So these kit lenses are just as good. And just on the kit lenses, um, if it is, if you're looking at, um, you're working out your budget and you're trying to decide whether you buy um, a better camera or a better lens I highly recommend you get the lens the lens is going to you spend more money um, and invest in good lenses over good cameras because the lenses are going to last you a lot longer and um, you can have an entry-level camera with a pro level lens on it and you're going to you won't be able to tell the difference between um, having it online if you're just posting the images online, you can't tell the difference because the, it's the lens that actually does all the work in the photography. Does that make sense? Yeah, So invest definitely. in good lenses all the time. So um, mm. a lot of people ask if they um, should get prime over zoom and the zoom lenses used to get a really bad rap because they used to be um, mm. pretty 
pretty crap quality basically but mm. now the, the zoom lenses are fantastic so you're again you're saving can you hear tiger he's so <laughs> vocal he is vocal <laughs> um zoom lenses are, mm. are, are just as good and the third party lenses that they're bringing out today are also good they used to all have a bad rap but the sigmas and the tamrons and all mm. of those guys all great lenses are worth investing in. But again, I recommend that if you're looking for a zoom lens, get yourself a secondhand pro lens and you'll get mm. a secondhand pro lens for the same price uh, or slightly less as you would a third, uh, a, a third party new zoom lens. Yeah. So that's what I recommend. And again, you're just looking at uh, making sure that it comes with the box and that means that the, the person who has it has looked after it and you also want to ask, make sure that it's not in an area that has a lot of mould. So like you, you avoid buying uh, lenses from areas that are like have high humidity because chances mm -hmm. are there might be something wrong with the lens. But aside from that, I've not bought yet bought a lemon of a lens secondhand, Val. Wow, so that's great. Real bargains out there, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and the reason I like working with zooms, and I mostly work with zooms when I'm shooting commercial stuff, is the fact that it gives me the opportunity to, if I'm doing a, um, say, I'm shooting a portrait, I can shoot full length, three quarter, and tight with one lens just by zooming in tighter and zooming in back. So I'm not having to, especially if you're shooting like thousands of images in a day, you don't want to be moving all over the place. So I can just set myself up and zoom in and zoom out. And uh, mm. so it just makes life so much easier and also for lifestyle shots and things like that. So that's why I prefer working with um, zoom lenses. The downside of a zoom lens, and mm. this is something you want to think about if you're carrying the camera around all day, is they're heavy and um, they're, they, they're, they're conspicuous. They stand Did out. Did Tiger People just see them. <laughs> knock over a drink or He's something? He knocked over onto my other um, <laughs> um, keyboard, actually. He's, he's, getting, he's getting annoyed. When you get to that age, though, honestly. <laughs> um, so zoom lenses are more conspicuous because you've got this um, huge thing bolted onto your camera, right? And the other downside of the zoom lens is the action of the zoom um, sucks dust onto your sensor. So when you're zooming oh, in and out, it's like yeah. a it's like sucking all this dust. So yeah. you actually end up with uh, having to get your sensor cleaned more often when yeah. you're using a zoom lens. But aside from that, I think they're well worth. Like I I love them. I think they're great. They are more expensive, but it saves me having to keep changing lenses or having two or three bodies uh, to work with with different lenses. So I think for, for what it is, they're well worth uh, having. If you like the prime lenses, um, you, they're slightly sharper. They're a little bit faster as you can get wider apertures on a prime lens you, that you can't get. So you can get like 1.2 uh, on a wide lens, like wide open, whereas like some of the zoom lenses will go to about 2.8. So that's a big difference when you're shooting in low light. So a lot of wedding photographers and event photographers love shooting with their prime lenses for this reason and uh, much cheaper to have to buy a prime lens over a zoom and also much lighter. So uh, they're the things you want to consider. So again, what is it that you're going to be using the camera 
most often, you know, are you shooting landscapes? Are you going to be shooting people? And often at the start, if you're a beginner, you don't really know. So mm. you, you've got the kit lens with the, the entry level camera and you work it out as you go along. Hang on a minute. I really like doing portraits. I really like the look of the long lens portraits. That's when you might want to consider upgrading to the next lens rather than getting it all at once. Start out with the basics and see how you go is, is uh, my recommendation. All right. Okay. So yeah, good. If you are looking to upgrade from a kit lens for a beginner, I would recommend that you get yourself the first lens that you get yourself is the little nifty 50 for about a hundred dollars, mm-hmm. uh, like 1.8, like it's a cheapy plastic, uh, bit of gear, but it's fantastic. So okay. that's what I'd recommend as your first, um, or like, so a fixed prime, a 50, um, or the 35 millimeter prime, which is uh, a little bit more expensive, but a great a great uh, lens to have as a prime lens for for weddings and events, street and portrait. It's it's like one of my I've got the 35 Sigma art series, and uh, I'm very happy with it. So um, they're the kind of upgrades. And then after that, you could probably, if you're looking at products, you might want to have a dedicated macro and they are expensive because a macro lens allows you to focus a lot closer. So again, um, you're going to be investing a a little bit more money in that, uh, but you can look at uh, buying a used macro lens instead of uh splashing out all the big bucks on uh something brand new as well so if you are doing a lot of events uh then i recommend you get something um uh, weddings and events the the sort of the focal range you want is 24 to 200 mil so that that covers wide to mm. long and you can do that in two lenses you can have a, a focal length of 24 to 105 and that gives you wide for like doing uh the inside of a church or the inside of an event hall and then you can also in the same lens go to 105 which gives you a beautiful like the most almost the most perfect uh focal length for a portrait right okay. and then next up 70 to 200 in your kit and that gives you everything for um, beautiful portraits and uh, and long shots. So you've got that everything you need in two lenses. So that would be the next upgrade if you're going from beginner to pro. That that those two focal lengths I think are ideal. A lot of people love the 24 to 70 focal mm-hmm. length. Mm. I don't know why. I just don't like it. I never have Val. I don't understand okay. why. Just can't <laughs> can't get it. I don't like that seventy focal length. So again, that's me. Ninety nine percent of photographers that I know love that focal length. So mm. this is why I say it's so important to don't just take my word for it or anyone else's word. Hire the hire the gear on the weekend or borrow if you can and test it out and see how it feels. Take it for a test drive Mm. and see how it feels. So all of this gear that I've just mentioned, um, I I would recommend buying it used. I really would and save like a ton of money um, that you can invest in better things. Um, All right, so the same goes with lighting, Val. Lighting and accessories, the same thought process when you're buying your gear. So if you are a pro photographer and you're shooting uh, 
lots of uh, photo shoots where you day in day out then you don't want to invest in budget gear firstly there is some great budget gear around but if you're using it every day and it has to be reliable and you need consistent colors and let's say you're doing um, images where you might and this is a big thing at the moment where you might be doing a composite of eight people from the same company but they're all in different states mm. right and if you're using budget level gear, it might be that, you know, at a, a certain, uh, when you when you fire it, it's a certain color in one area and then the, the lighting's a slightly different color in another. It's just going to make it really hard to get consistency when you're using budget gear. And especially if you're giving it a workout, you're taking it off planes, it's bumping around in the back of your car, it's getting <laughs> knocked around. That is a real problem. So if you are at that high end and you have you, there are no do-overs in the work that you do, then I would invest in um, the higher end gear rather than that that has the weather seals as well. So it's the same thinking with the camera. It's the better build. It's more reliable and it has the weather sealed mm. seals. Okay, but if right. you're just starting out and you're coming into that entry and you're not shooting that much, so you might do a shoot a week or a shoot every couple of weeks, there are some fantastic budget brands. And I've been – because it's like, Val, I started blogging. Like I'd be asked to blog about what my my favourite gear is, right? Yeah. And I'd blog and it's like I'm working in a professional environment. I can't afford to have stuff-ups, right? So I blogged uh-huh. all the gear that I used and it's all high end and I've got so many got so many comments saying, Oh yeah, of course your photography is gonna be good. You use high end gear, you got fifty, hundred thousand dollars worth of gear. What they That's sound, how what, people uh, who right. troll me, that's what they sound like, right? I got a lot of that and I'm like you know, and so there is a belief that this high end, to get high end looking images, you have to have high end gear. And so I got the point. My point was I was asked what gear I used. I answered it honestly, but I'm like, hang on a minute. There's, I should actually, to show that it's technique, not gear, yeah. I started investing in, I, I, I have a collection of all the budget lighting gear and budget accessories and also I bought myself an entry-level um, camera and then I started yeah. the all the personal projects that I do, I shoot on that gear mm. to prove that it's not the gear, it's what you do with the gear, that you can still get high-end results. So when I travel, uh, I often take something like a Yongnuo or a Godox lighting gear, which is basically a knockoff of the high-end pro photos. Basically, it's just reverse engineer, or or their knockoffs of Godox. Their Godox's knockoff and Godox and Yong Newer are basically copies of Canon and Nikon, uh, and they copy them so well. They're exactly they're exact, but they're slightly um, inferior build quality. So you'll notice when you look at a a cheaper budget lighting kit that you'll notice that when you open the battery door, it might come off. <laughs> right it might not but it might so mm. but the difference in price like a, a young newo or a, a godox version of a speed light will cost you 80 dollars compared to 600 if you buy the canon or the wow. nikon version so at that price get two 
just in case one breaks because one possibly might break, you know. So you've got to be prepared for that. And the colour is not quite the same. You're not going to get like if you bought yourself a Pro Photo B1, which is, you know, in the thousands, the colour is absolutely neutral. There is no colour cast at all, but you, I can't guarantee that for the other lighting brands. But they're good. And they're, and the other thing is with these um, budget brands of lighting is there are these massive communities built around these, um, these lighting brands. And so there is all these like side uh, companies that have been set up to provide modifiers and accessories. And there's people out there MacGyvering all this great stuff. So they're fantastic. So I love... Um, so if you're doing the high-end stuff, I recommend that you invest in slightly better lighting. And if you're starting out and this is a big expense, buy used lighting. So get yeah. pro-level lighting, but get it secondhand. And there is always there are photographers that are, thought they wanted to do it. They bought all the gear at the start and then they realize, hang on, I don't want to be a fashion photographer. I want to be a food photographer. I don't need all this lighting gear. And they'll sell it and you'll get the you'll get the lights, but you'll also get all the modifiers, light stands, everything for a bargain. So th they do exist. I, 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 I'm often looking for extra lights and things like that and I'll buy those secondhand just to add to my kit. So mm. they are around. So, so that's what you want to... Uh, look for uh, and if you can when you're buying a speed light um, that a lot of the newer ones now have rechargeable batteries in them uh, that's going to save you a heap of money if you're shooting lots of events on double uh, a batteries and if you do have a, a speed light that runs double a batteries then invest in the rechargeable double a batteries that will also uh, saves you and saves the environment. Um, so, and there's some there's some good runs around. I use Any Loop again, not sponsored. Uh, I've <laughs> had really good success with those, so um, cool. that's going to save you a bit of money. Finally, Val, just with yes. the accessories. Um, yes. So Love accessories. We've got the camera and we've mm -hmm. decided on our a light source. So you can get either um, you can think about you can have speed lights. Or um, that's if you just want to do, uh, say you're just looking at doing weddings and events, then speed lights will work for you. If you want to start doing off-camera shoots, then you might want to look at investing in doubling up on your speed lights. So basically you'll get a more powerful sort of light or you can go to the next level of lighting and you can get like a slightly bigger uh, external uh uh, light that you can use outside so the size is going to matter if you're looking at overpowering the sun so that's something to think about but I think if you're starting out just stick to say uh, a standard uh, Godox or a Yongnuo uh, speed light or something in that that budget level and get a couple and then mm. what you can do is you can double them up and make your external light a bit more powerful and use it with these modifiers that I'm going to talk about now. But And, and also, I've said, if you're doing uh, weddings and important stuff where there's no do-overs, I actually recommend that you stick to the, the name brand gear. Right. Um, just before I go to light modifiers, I want to talk about um, tripods and stands. So if you're going to be doing off-camera flash or studio lighting, then you're going to need uh, good light stands. And I think a tripod is absolutely essential. 
This is the one thing where I'm going to recommend that you spend the money because light stands and tripods, it's a once off purchase. This is the one thing that you can, if you have uh, a 20 or 30 or 40 year career, these light stands and tripods will last the distance with you. So I say with light stands and tripods, buy once yes. and buy well. Spend the money. Great Valerie advice. has learnt this lesson the hard way. I learnt it the hard way. Mm. Um, you can get super cheap tripods and super cheap um, light stands, and I learnt this early on, like so cheap, and then within two uses, Hopeless. the light stands, they fall apart. They more, are crap. more to the point, before <laughs> they fall apart, your camera will fall off it. Like, yeah. not fall camera, off it, um, the, it will, the stand will fall over with your camera on it, which is worse yeah. than or, it falling apart, far worse. Or, or your um, speed light or your light, uh, yes, and yes. so they blow over and it, so they're not good. So, um, again, if you want to get, and this is what I um, say to everyone is that, like, I get often asked what sort of tripod Get a good tripod. I, all my life, and again, I'm not sponsored by them. I just know that their stuff lasts and lasts and lasts. I've had Manfrotto tripods for 30 years now, the same ones, and they're still going strong. So I've got a number of, I've got five, I think, uh, different ones that I use. Uh, I'll put a link uh, to the ones that I use in the show notes if you're interested, but I think they're fantastic. You can get one secondhand, like new, you might be dropping a thousand bucks. Okay. You can pick one up secondhand with the head for around $200 these days. That is a bargain. And that is something that you'll have with you forever. So, um, have a look at, at, at those and, uh, you know, please, 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 please don't skimp on tripods or light stands, get some decent ones. The other thing that I think is essential if you're going to be doing a lot of off-camera flash is to have a, a, a decent boom. And again, this would be something that I would recommend that you spend a bit of money on. Uh, but again, buy a used one. There's, it might have a few scratches on it, but it's still going to work perfectly well. And um, there are plenty. But what you want to think about is when you're looking at uh, tripods, light stands and booms is what sort of photography are you going to be doing? And you want to think about how high do my light stands extend? Okay, do, are they two tier or are they three tier? Because that makes Whoa. a big difference. You don't want little short lights that yeah. only go up to four foot. Sometimes you want a light, um, uh, you want to have a light that's up high to light a certain, if you're lighting outside. So think about that and maybe you might not need it now, but down the track, you might need it. So, and then mm. this is so important. How easy is it to set up? The cheaper uh, light stands and accessories come in parts that you have to assemble and disassemble every time you use it. And they're an absolute pain, a real pain. Also, the cheaper ones are often heavier than the more expensive ones. So if they're super heavy, then that's a pain as well because it's like once if you lug them, you might think, oh, yeah, that's all right. But time and time again, in and out of cars, up and down stairs, it's going to get old really quickly. And then finally, the stability, which you talked about, Val. So if it's not, if they're flimsy and wonky, your expensive light or your expensive camera is just mm. going to top up, topple over. So... Um, 
the the cheapest light stand that you can get is the voice activated ones okay <laughs> but they come with limitations because you need to feed them some of them have attitude and some of them are like don't have the IQ of cardboard they're like less and so you tell them can you stand there and they stand on the other side so that's a work in progress but if you train them really well and feed them they work beautifully i've had some fantastic ones that i've used for years and years some and years and years and i adore them some... fantastic adore them <laughs> the, right? your voice activated light stands exactly okay. yes yeah sure all right <laughs> so um now when it comes to uh, accessories, the same, de- same deal. The cheaper ones, the cheaper light modifiers come in many, many pieces that you have to put together and then um, uh, pull them apart every time you put them away. And you need a degree, like a membership in Mensa, to be able to put them together. And if that's mm. the case, do you want that light modifier? that has 20 million pieces that you'll never use because you'll think about the thought of pulling it out. You go, I don't want to put that together. It's so annoying. So what you that that's, um, they're the budget ones. And they're also, um, the ones that are, are really cheap have, uh, like the cheap shoot through umbrellas. You open them once or twice and already they, they, they start to fall apart. So yeah. think about that. It's worth investing in a, if you're going to be using an umbrella a lot, a decent one. And I think it's in worth investing in decent, uh, light modifiers. And what, what I think even the, um, the, the new sort of lower end budget ones, like I know Godox makes some good ones. And I also, um, and I said I wouldn't name brands, but two brands that I'm really impressed with. One, I don't even own this, but from what I've seen, MagMod uh, mm. is a fantastic system. I swear it must have been invented by a photographer because it's so clever. They use magnets, Val, to attach the modifiers to the, it's just really, if you saw it, you'd go, what a great design. It's just so clever. Right. So MagMod is really good. Okay. and. I like the Gary Fong, which I wish Gary mm. Fong and Magmod would marry, get together, <laughs> and just produce because like they're both really good systems. And I've got the Gary Fong, so I just stick with it. But I'm very happy with their with their lighting system, particularly for events and stuff on the go. And Godox make great octoboxes. Um, what I use for uh, what what I like to use with my um, uh, run and gun kind of shoots is I've got the Ellen Crom system. I love the Ellen Crom deep octobox. Um, mm-hmm. And I've also got other, other um, light boxes and um, soft boxes and, and uh, octoboxes. But what I look for, what you want to look for in a good octobox is it's the build. It's the ease of setup and pack down. So think about it. If you're the type of photographer that's doing lots and lots of portrait shoots and you want to shoot quickly and on the run, you want to be able to set the stuff up quickly or be able to hand it over to an assistant and go, quick, set this octobox up. We're going to, the lights come out. This is all perfect. Let's get this shot. But if you're sitting there going, laying it all out and having to look and there's one little screw missing because it fell off at the last shoot and now you can't use it. It's not going to work, right? So I like the octoboxes or the softboxes or the light modifiers. Actually, the really clever designs are they're all in one 
and you just open it up and it opens and it's easy to use. So that's sort of what you want to be looking for. And the other thing that I think is crucial and Tiger agrees to good yes. lighting is um, to have uh, octoboxes or soft boxes that have double diffusion. So you've got your outer level of diffusion, but there is also an inner bevel as well. So the light has to pass through two layers of diffusion. That's the best lighting as far as I'm concerned with soft right. boxes. The cheaper ones, one level. Um, and it's a completely different look to the lighting. So you will get a much softer, um, more beautiful light when you've got um, sort of double diffusion. And look at the corners because the soft boxes and the octaboxes that you put together that are flimsily made, eventually the rods that are holding them all together end up coming out the end. And you lose bits and then you can't use it. So um, this is kind of an area, the light modifier... You can have an expensive light modifier with a cheap light works perfectly. So you'll see me using my Godox, cheap little Godox light with my more expensive Elencrom light and, and it works really well for, for me. So that's uh, definitely worth considering. So there you go, Val. So hopefully that helps. That's kind of a, a bit of a guide what I wanted to give everyone today is the confidence to be able to look at stuff and go, okay, I know what I'm looking for. I know what I need. And then you guys can work out the brand that suits you and, and that works for you that you'll use every day because that's the most important yes. thing. And then, you know, the idea is like invest less in the gear as you're starting and then add gear as you need it. You'll find that the camera, you'll get to a point where all right, the entry-level camera has worked to a point, but now I'm doing sport and I want to freeze mm. action and it's not this lens isn't working for me anymore. That's when you then look at to the next level and before you go, go buy that lens, go and hire one first and, and, and find the one that you want. But but it's at, at a need it as you need it as you grow out of it. I'm sure you had this experience with your painting, Val, as you got better in certain areas. You, you added more gear that you needed as you learnt about it, right? You didn't buy it all at the start. Mm-hmm. Yes, so true. Um, but that is a really great guideline, Gina. I think that um, uh, if you are thinking of investing in gear, you might have to listen to the episode again just to be doubly sure. But I think that the bottom line is very much starting off um, with just what you need and taking it one step at a time. But great advice. Mm. All right, so that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Hope you got a lot out of it. Uh, where do we find you online, Gina? Oh, you can find me at Gina Militia. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm on all social media at Gina Militia. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, you can find me in the goal community. And so just go to GinaMilitia.com and uh, click on join the community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's uh, K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. If you want more of Gina's cat, just join us on the next episode. If you want more of my cats, they've got their own TikTok account now, so you can look up <laughs> Rex and Rocky. Anyway, thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, 
and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMalaysia.com.